Hello, welcome to today's episode. Just in the numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracing. I'm Corbin Hill. And uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We uh, we didn't record anything after Christmas because it was December 26th on our standard recording day, and I think Corbin and I silently agreed that it was just not worth the time. Um, and so here we are. It's uh, December 29th as we're recording this right now, and uh, we're gearing up for New Year's. Uh, not much is going on in the world of sports. That's okay uh, because you know not really much. I guess really should be going on. Um, things are bad, but anyway, let's. Uh, the, the, the there's not too much going on, uh, but one of the the big, probably the biggest thing that's happened all week is the passing of John Madden. Now, chances are. If you're listening to this podcast, you know who John Madden is or was, whatever. Um, if you are not familiar with him beyond the namesake of one of the most popular sports video games of all time, um, he was a head coach. He was a color commentator. Um, he was also a an educator. Uh, and he was a football player. And he really managed to accomplish quite a lot in the course of his career, in addition to being uh, a Super Bowl winning head coach, of which there are exceedingly few in the NFL. If you think about it, there's only been um, how many Super Bowls now? 56, 57. Right. Yeah. Like not, not a lot. And when you, you know, so that means let's say, let's call it 50 fucking six, just because who cares? Um, that's 56 dudes. 56 and then if you take it is this year. Or 56 is this upcoming. All right. So then there's 55, which means at max, there'd be 55 dudes. That's not a lot of guys. And there's a lot of repeats in there. So really, it's an exclusive club uh, to which John Madden belongs. Additionally, he did spend a little bit of time actually teaching football coaching, uh, I believe, at UCLA. I'm trying to find that somewhere because I know he did that somewhere. Um, and he was also. Uh, a very, very renowned, probably the best NFL color commentator of all time. And one of the reasons that made him so good is one, his gigantic breadth of knowledge two his exceedingly amiable personality. And three, he was very, not just interested, but concerned in making sure people understood the game of football. He really wanted people to know how football worked in it, maybe not a, a technical and precise X's and O's ways necessarily, but at least in an intuitive and digestible way. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that other common uh, color commentators don't do that. A lot of them do. You know, Tony Romo is great at what he does, um, but you really got the sense for, for John Madden that he wasn't just letting you know what's happening, which it oftentimes feels like a lot of color commentators do. They're just saying, here's what's happening. You know, this is, this is the X's and O's of it. Very dry. John Madden genuinely wanted you to walk away understanding the why, even if the X's and O's don't line up in your brain, he wanted you to get it, which is why he made the game Madden. He actually had the opportunity, if I recall correctly, to make the game significantly earlier than when the first issue got released. 
but due to technical capabilities, they were only able to generate seven guys per side instead of the standard 11. And Madden said, no, he didn't want to do that because he wanted to be able to give people uh, an arsenal of knowledge that would help them to actually understand the game better and use real plays from a real NFL playbook to get them to, uh, to get people to kind of get a better understanding of how the game functioned. And that's really an incredibly rare thing to do um, or mm-hmm. to get to experience. You really don't get that in other circles. Uh, Coram, what, like, what, what's, what's your experience with, with John Madden? Um, I learned about him from Madden 2008 for the Nintendo DS. Um, I'm sure I didn't first learn about him just through buying one random game, but I'm, I'm, that's how I remember him just because of his voice and likeness narrating the game essentially. Um, but the big thing that kind of stands out at me, which, you know, I just had to look up and confirm he is, has the second highest win percentage of a head coach in NFL history, which is beyond outrageous. I mean, the Never only guy ahead seasons. of him. I'm sorry. Never had a losing season. Never had a losing season. Um, Mike Tomlin is dangerously close to that feat, uh, losing that feat. Um, but back to the point, he is, has the highest win percentage since 1927. Like, that's just unreal. Having a 759 win percentage behind Guy Chamberlain's 784 from 1922 to 1927. He has 103 wins to 32 losses, seven ties. Like, it's one of those things where he has... 80 points on Bill Belichick, who is widely considered the greatest coach of all time, who's down in 13th place. It's just beyond unreal how great of a coach he was. Um, yeah. Also, just complete non sequitur. Uh, I know who George Hallis was. Like, he is, you know, literally on the uniform of the Chicago Bears. Didn't realize he was the head coach of the Bears for 40 years. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not surprised. I feel I feel like that's a thing we learned on this show like early and then both forgot. So like I, I feel like I'm learning it for the first time again, but I'm also not surprised when you think about those old guys, like when football was still the Wild West of, of sports and it was just like a bunch of dudes in mud. I don't think it would have taken much to own a team and also coach it. Don't think it would have taken much. Yep. I mean, George Hallis first became the head coach of Chicago in 1920, won a championship in 1921 when he was only 26 years old and retired in 1967. 1967. 47 years later is when that man retired. That's a fucking run. So do you recall any of of John Madden's um, commentating career? Only from highlights. Um, I was never old enough for him to uh, really be a commentator when I was actively watching games. I, I, I have a distinct recollection of John Madden as a um, color commentator, in part because every single time my father and I would watch a game that he called, my dad would remind me 
um, which you'd never forget that he doesn't like to fly and he would take buses everywhere. Um, and so I have distinct recollection, not necessarily of any specific games or any specific moments within games that he called, but I have a very distinct recollection of him and, and Pat Summerall, like on my TV and John Madden talking in a way where you go, well, he doesn't sound very smart. Um, but then he proceeds to explain to you like, as though football was particle physics and, and he won a Nobel prize. Like it was such an interesting thing to, to kind of like experience because he had a, such a, a simplistic way of talking, but his approach was so genuine and fucking detailed. That was incredible. Uh, like it's the mark of someone who truly expertly understands their craft is when you can seamlessly transform the way you describe it and the way you think of it from something super intricate and detailed to super basic and rudimentary so that anyone that you're talking to can have a crystal clear, just perfect understanding of what you're trying to describe at just core levels while also being able to fully understand every detail of the craft. Like that's just the mark of a genius. And that's, that's Madden. Yeah. I, Shout outs to all our teachers out there. Teaching is very fucking hard. Uh, communicating ideas in a way that people can receive, understand, translate on their in their own brains and output is correctly is incredibly difficult. So shout out to our teachers. Um, yeah, and you know it's it's really interesting because I'm not sure. And my my experience with with Madden the football game really ends around probably like 2007 or eight uh, because we got rid of our PlayStation two around then, I think, and just never got another gaming system after that. Um, and so I really like thrived on Madden. I think like Oh five Oh six. No. Oh my God. Madden 2002. That was the version we wow. had. Cause I still remember the theme song. It's a, uh, no matter what happens, the choice is on you with it on Madden 2002. <laughs> Some shit like that. I still fucking remember that fucking song. Maybe not Who was the, the words, cover. But I don't remember. I do not remember. Who do you who do who would you think it is in 2002? I'm gonna look it up. 2002. Um would, would it be too early for Vic? Yeah. I was like, oh, oh. Two. Ladanian? I want to say 07 was like Vic. No, that's too late. Probably like 03, 04. Um, 02. All right. Let's see. That's a really good guess. I think I'd put my money on him. <laughs> Duante Culpepper. <laughs> Man, never would have guessed. I remember like two thousand, like not in two thousand ten, was like uh, Peyton Hillis, and that was far and away the worst. Wow, Duante Culpepper uh, never would have gotten Madden, that. Two thousand one, Eddie George. Two thousand eight, I think, was the one that I had. But, nope, I had. Yep, I had Madden 08 with Vince Young on the cover. That's my boy. And, and what, but what's still amazing about the game Madden, even from from my like sparse childhood recollections, is that because it shows you, you know, the movements ahead of time, 
and makes you gives you the ability, I should say, to run through your reads. It really, even at a, at a young age, gives you a pretty good understanding of how the game functions. Even if you're like me and you like you didn't play it like all that much or all the 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 super most recent versions of it, there's still that core concept that you might not retain when you're a kid watching the game because so much is happening real time and not all the lines are drawn out for you the way that they are on, on, on your video game screen that it can really hammer home to you that everyone is doing a set organized set of actions instead of just running around in a mad scramble, like a five-year-old soccer match. And, you know, again, giving these plays names and, and giving these, these, uh, like kids and young adults an avenue to understand the game better not only helps people enjoy watching sports more and enjoy watching that sport more, but also shows kids that there's a lot to sports that isn't just the athletic of it. You know, there is also understanding scheme and strategy, and that's an avenue into sports, which is something Corin and I talk about every now and then about how it would be great if sports did more to show that there's jobs in sports Outside of just playing, um, which is one of the reasons we'd like to see more players transition to front office and GM jobs and uh, league office jobs, because that would show kids that, hey, you can do this, too. Here's a very big, familiar face. You can do this, too. Um, But it's something that really other sports don't just don't have to the nearly the same extent, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, can you think of an announcer outside of maybe like Vin Scully with baseball that had such an impact on the, the league. I'm sure there's one for every sport. And I mean, at the end of the day, even if there is the fact that John Madden is the guy for the NFL is just, that's all you need to know. Oh, that's the thing is like, you can't even just put him in the box of commentator. Cause it's like Vin Scully, great commentator, never coached, never managed, mm-hmm. never played, you know, Madden managed. And, you know, you, you could do you could do this with anybody, you know, even uh, Tony Romo, great player, uh, great commentator. Where's his fucking video game? <laughs> and not just Nobody a video else game, has the video. like the only guy that can come close. Game. The only guy that can even come close on saying, hey, I got a video game is Tony Hawk. And Tony Hawk's not coming after John Madden. No way. It, it really, and that's what I'm trying, you know, that's what I'm trying to say is like, it, like the, the, the full sum of contributions is so unlike anyone else. Cause even when you think of dudes who it's like those old timey weird dudes who it's like, I founded a baseball team and played 60 seasons. Like that guy, his contribution meant nothing in the 1920s. Cause that's not a real year, but like Madden gave a, a, a tool at a very pivotal time in technology as, as well as the, you know, the changing demographics of, entertainment and made a a really pivotal change in the way that kids are going to enjoy the game. Adults are going to understand the game from listening to him commentate. And he won a fucking Super Bowl. (laughs) Like this is, this is a wacky, insane group of comment of, of, of uh, accolades. I need to download that. I need to add it back to the system. Yeah, this I actually I just got a new gaming system recently, so I, I should I should really get a copy. I've got I've got a couple copies of Madden. I got you. Thanks, baby. Uh, yeah, so John Madden's career, just a real quick shout out. Uh, not only did he never have a losing season, he only had three not first place seasons. 
um, which is hilarious. He only didn't win his division three times in 10 seasons. I've God damn. Bill Belichick esque. Uh, so in that in that tenure, he met, he coached from age 33. Fuck, that's young to 42, 10 seasons. As Corwin said, 103 wins, 32 losses and seven ties. Um, his team ranked. Uh, let's see. First in offensive yards twice, never out of the top 10. They finished first in points three times, never out of the top 10. Uh, in defense, they finished uh, first in yards allowed, which would be, or sorry, second in yards allowed, which would be uh, in terms of fewest yards allowed. Uh, they finished second twice and had a couple rougher years, one 18th place finish and one 19th place finish. But in terms of points, they ha- they were had uh, four, five top 10 finish, sorry, six top 10 finishes. Fuck. I only finished outside of the top 10 four times. Um I mean, like you, you can go up and down the list that it's just an impress. It's such a ridiculous combination of um, achievements. They won the 1976 Super Bowl. Uh, who did they win it against? Who do you, who's your guess? Who do they win the Super Bowl against? In 76, uh, the Raiders. Yeah, yeah it's the Raiders. The Steelers. Uh, in order to get there, they had to beat the L.A. Rams back when they were the L.A. Rams. Oh, no, the Vikings had to beat the Rams. I see. The Raiders beat the Steelers, and then the Raiders beat the Vikings. Um, 32 to 14. God damn. Nailed it. So happy to have nailed that one. Fuck. Yeah, God damn. Uh, the worst. Yeah, uh, John Madden's entire career history, he had a an off-season uh, season, an off-season season with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1958 and then became a coach. He was the, an assistant coach at Allen Hancock College from 60 to 61. Then he was the head coach for a year in 62 to 63. He was the defensive coordinator at San Diego State from 64 to 66, and then he became a linebackers coach with the Raiders from 67 to 68. And then went straight from linebackers coach to head coach. And as we just said, his head coaching career, um, despite all the winning seasons, they were only the AFL. This is when it was the AFL and NFL before they merged and then became the NFL and then had the AFC and NFC. Um, he only won the AFL championship one time. So his sole Super Bowl appearance, Super Bowl win was the only appearance, though. Getting the Super Bowl is very fucking hard um, and also won the AFL coach of the year award in 1969. Um, yeah, They're all pretty huge things to win as a head coach. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's I I think we've probably pretty much run the gamut on him, but uh, I mean, it's dying at eighty five feels like the age at which people die. So it, it's tough to be like it's totally fucking gut wrenching. Like eighty five is a great age to to kick the bucket if we're being honest here. Um. Like 85 is I'm losing mobility. Just fucking kill me. Like you, you, your family's not going. He was so young. Um, so I, I don't want to make it some like overly somber thing. I'm not going to cry my eyes out over this loss because John Madden led a great fucking life, contributed so much to the football community and really the understanding of sports education. Um, and he's been out of the game for a few years, but it's just wild to see a guy from my childhood kind of like 
leave the earth, but I also hadn't thought about him in a few years. So this was a, a nice trip down memory lane for a horrible reason, but I really, I'm, I'm glad to get to kind of re-remember John Madden's life. Agreed. Completely agreed. Um, so on the football note, do you want to just kind of go through where we're at in terms of playoff picture? Um, we did this last week and obviously, as we said, there was a lot of things that were slotted to change based on last week's results. And a lot of things did change. So you want to get into that? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, we'll start with the AFC. That's where we started last week as well. Once again, the only team, the only team who has clinched the playoff spot is the chiefs. There are what six more playoff spots that are just unaccounted for right now. There is two weeks left to go. This is going to get wild. So the number two seed, actually we did this from the bottom up. I think Uh, now we'll do a top 10 this time. Why not? We'll mix it up. So the number two seed right now and leading the AFC South is the uh, Tennessee Titans who won their game last week against the San Francisco 49ers, which I'm not sure either corner myself were especially confident in, and yet they did it. And uh, with that win, they managed to improve the record to 10 and five, which is just wacky uh, and put a little distance between them and, and uh, well, I actually really put much distance between them and, and the Colts, but they managed to, maintain their their division lead which is wild um so at 10 and 5 they placed the dolphins this week and while that doesn't sound overly intimidating the dolphins just won se- their seventh straight fucking game to go seven and seven and boy howdy corwin i don't know what the fuck to make of these fucking dolphins um so what do you think about the titans in this spot and what do you think about their matchup coming up against the dolphins I just, I don't have the confidence if I'm the Titans uh, to be confident. Good job, Corwin. That's an excellent sentence. You did great. Um, I don't want to favor the Dolphins, but I do think they come in here with a lot of momentum where the Titans have been up and down. I mean, they lost the Steelers. That is enough said. Um, Sorry, I should correct myself. Dolphins are eight and seven, not seven and seven. My bad. Yes. I don't know where that loss came in, but regardless, maybe week one or that extra win came. Week yeah, one. it was oh. a week one win, seven straight losses, seven straight wins. Got it. Um, I listen, I don't I know just, what either team is. I don't know how to break this down, man. I think that's where I'm at, really. I don't know where either team is. Like, someone's going to have to end up winning this game. And I, we're at a point where if I, I, I can't believe the Titans have won 10 games. And I cannot believe yeah. the Dolphins have won seven straight games. So someone's going to win this game, and I think I will feel the exact same about it, no matter who does it, which is neither of you deserve this. <laughs> I think that's where I'm at. I don't – I really don't think there's a single team outside of the Chiefs. And even then, they've had some bad really, really games stretches. Yeah. that deserve this. I don't think any of these teams deserve a playoff oh, berth. I'm not, they have all playoff berths. Don't get me wrong. But right. I don't think anyone deserves it. I'm not even talking about deserving the playoff berth. I'm talking about deserving the level of success they've sustained. Like yeah. the, the Titans, I, I, and if you're a Titans fan, eat my dick. Um, the fact that the Titans would have 11 wins feels so broken 
to me. And the fact that the Dolphins would be nine and seven also feels like a mockery of the sport. <laughs> and look, what's under- what's what's more surprising? The Titans having 10 wins, the Dolphins having eight wins or the Steelers having seven wins. Honestly, the most surprising for me is the Dolphins having eight wins because the AFC South is bad. Granted, I was expecting it to be worse than this. So if you had told me that, I would have assumed a different 10 wins, but I could have wrapped my head around 10 wins. And we've known that the Steelers have been struggling and Ben Roethlisberger has not been improving because he's getting old football, not real person old. And so the Dolphins, I really, I had no hope in them. And they're clearly proving me to be a fucking idiot. But I mean, God, I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. Neither can I. I'm just, uh, I'm ready for the just absolute slugfest of these games in the sense of it's just going to be a bloodbath and a, the only losers are going to be us. Right. Team that loses. The fans. Uh, So we'll get to the effects of that Dolphins win or loss in a second. Next, the third seed, the division leader for the AFC North is currently the Cincinnati Bengals. At nine and six Um, last week, they were not the division leader. The Baltimore Ravens were. And then the Bengals walked into Baltimore and stomped on the Ravens dick. Actually, the Bengals hosted. So the Ravens came to Cincinnati just to get their dick stomped upon Um, 41 to 21. Oof, as uh, as I would say, and rockets the the Bengals up to first place while leaving uh, Baltimore in second place at eight and seven, uh, one game above the Steelers. The Bengals this week will be facing the Chiefs, who are currently the only team to have clinched the playoff spot at 11 and four. The Chiefs don't really have any reason they'd have to try very hard in this game outside of maintaining uh, the number one seed of assuming a world in which Tennessee wins. They would be uh, and and the Chiefs lose. They would be tied for the first seed. I don't know tiebreakers. Um but from a divisional standpoint, they have a three-game cushion uh, of, ahead of the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, and um, Cincinnati's fighting to, to hold ground, but neither team really... This It's not an overly compelling matchup in terms of playoff standings, but there's a decent enough chance these teams face each other in the playoffs, so it could be something for that. Um, what do you think about the Bengals' position and their upcoming matchup? Um. As a Steelers fan, living in a household with a Bengals fan and having the Bengals beat the living shit out of the Ravens the same week, the Steelers were basically put down like a sick dog by the Chiefs. This was a a difficult weekend for me. Um, I, I hate to say it, but the Bengals look like a just an excellent team that I would not want to play in the playoffs. Like they Joe Burrow is really just, figuring it out. Yeah. Like the defense is finally doing enough to leave the game in the hands of Joe Burrow, who is just going to kind of take it and run with it. Um, and figuratively, literally he's going to throw for it. Um, and I mean, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And I've, I love it. I hate it. I don't want him to be on that team, but he is. I honestly think out of all the AFC North QBs, obviously Ben is 95 years old. 
he's at the bottom of that totem pole. Um, Baker Mayfield is the guy. He does not look like a competitive player anymore. Lamar Jackson's an MVP, and I'd still have him below Joe Burrow right now. I just, I mean, he Joe looks Burrow, like an unreal talent. 70% completion percent, 4,165 yards with two games to go. Uh, 30 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, but who gives a fuck, really? Um, yards per game, 277, a quarterback rating of 105.0 in a full fucking season. I mean, it's just it's just stupid. We got a Josh. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback to ever play the game of football ever. He makes Ben Roethlisberger look like a fucking jackass. That's what he. That's what he's doing. Fucking punk bitch. Um, My girlfriend's favorite sweatshirt is a Joe Burrow sweatshirt, and it 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 hurts me every time I see it. Go Joe Burrow it up your ass, bitch. Um, Yeah. So Bengals. Yeah, so that's that's where the Bengals are at. It this matchup will not really mean probably mean all too much in terms of standings unless the Bengals like if the Bengals win this game, it's a good statement piece for their competitiveness in the playoffs. Um it's tough to know what it means if they lose. We'll have to see how they would lose, but it, it I think this this means more in terms of quality of competition than it really does for standings, even though a loss with a Ravens win might end up meaning something due to tiebreakers, but whatever the bills beat the Patriots last week. Finally, my God. Um, and that means that the Patriots ended up actually falling four spots in terms of playoff standings down to the sixth seed. We'll get there in a second. And the bills are now on top of the AFC East due to tiebreakers at also nine and six. And this week they play the Falcons, which should be a win. However, the Bills have had a wildly inconsistent season. And so while we'd all like to chalk this up as a, I mean, a seemingly a pretty easy win since the Falcons have not been good this year, their seven and eight record makes it look a lot better than the season has really been for them. Um, the Bills have also been wild all over the place. So a win for this would not advance their position in terms of the division at all because they are currently on top of it. That's not going to change with a, a win. Um a win would give them a chance to maybe seed a little bit higher, but the chances of them getting into first and getting a bye week is basically impossible. Um, with these last two weeks, they'd have to win both games. The Chiefs would have to lose, and everyone above them would have to lose both games. So um, no no strong advantages to winning outside of holding position. Uh, Corin, what do you think of the Bills' spot here and their matchup against the Falcons? I just cannot take a team that lost to the Steelers seriously. Um, obviously, it being in week Bengals one, Bengals lost to the Jets. Well, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. How about that? How about that? All right. Well, I kind of got deflated by that a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've been playing a hell of a lot better than they were week one of the season, which was going to be my point. But, um, I don't know. I think the Falcons have some fight in them. I don't think they have a lot of fight in them, but I think they have some. Kyle Pitts chasing after that 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie tight end. Um, but I I don't expect – I mean, I think the Bills have a lot more to prove from this game with the Falcons than the Falcons do, so I think the Falcons are, are going to just kind of roll over and die. Yeah, I, I, I feel like the, the Bills are still in the mode of playing for their life, which they kind of need to be. If they were leading this division – 
with 14 wins, they could probably take their foot off the gas a little bit and have everyone play like three quarters just to make sure no one got hurt and some stupid fourth quarter nonsense. But that's not where they are. And this inconsistency is not only not good in terms of a standings position, it's also not great mentally heading into the playoffs. So I'm sure they want to keep their foot on the gas and have some momentum heading into the first round. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, so a loss. We'll get to that with the Patriots. Um, these fifth seed as of right now, our last division leader, or sorry, no longer in the division leaders, now in the wild cards is the Indianapolis Colts, um, who I believe just lost Carson Wentz. Correct. Yeah, I think he's on the COVID list. Um, unvaccinated starting quarterback Carson Wentz on COVID list. Yep, right there on the so That's title. what, 10 days? So at least two games. Well, the NFL PA and the NFL are currently discussing uh, going with the new CC recommended five days, which is hot nonsense. But I, it, the NFL PA is probably going to agree to it because they want players on the field to be making um, to not, not be missing out on stats that could impact their future salaries is what I'm assuming. Um, why they would be pushing for it. If it was me as a union rep, I'd probably be pushing to maintain the 10 days, but Anyway, um, it doesn't matter. The, the, it, it, from the news reports I've been seeing, it's like they'll agree to a five-day quarantine period, so it would just be this one week that they that Wentz would be missing, is my guess. If assuming he comes, he like is feeling okay enough in five days. But for this matchup, for this matchup's sake, he's out nine and six. That puts him uh, one game back on the. Titans and they're about to play the Raiders uh, who are in an interesting spot. The Raiders are currently third in the AFC West. They're tied with the chargers in record at eight and seven. So they're a bubble team. They're not currently in the playoff picture. A win here for the Raiders would put them at nine and seven, which depending on how some of the matchups above them shake out might be enough because in a world in which the Bengals bills, Bengals and bills, and Patriots lose and the Raiders win all of those teams would be nine and seven uh, where the, sorry, the Bengals bills, Colts, Patriots lose all those teams would be nine and seven. And so a win would be a ton for the Raiders. Uh, and once again, it, because of how tight everything is, the Colts, the, the win wouldn't move them up at all, but you, you're, you're, you're treading. And you need to be treading water because the second you get tired, you will drown. Um, it, is, it is tight. It is very, very tight. So even though the Colts really could they overpass, overtake the Titans? They could. They totally could. If the Titans lose this week and the Colts win this week, both teams would be 10 and six. Um, so it's certainly reasonable that a week seven, week 18 finale could be grand for the AFC South. Absolutely. Um, but the Colts really need to win this game so that they don't completely miss the playoffs because in a world in which the um, Bengals, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, and Chargers and Raiders all win, um, the Colts would be 9-7 and seven tied with three or more teams because, fuck, the Ravens are 8-7 and seven too. There's a chance that if the, if the Colts lose, they could be in a four-way tie at 9-7. and seven. And I'm not sure of the tiebreakers, but the odds of them still being in the playoff picture seem pretty fucking slim at that point. So they need the win. Both teams need the win. I think the Raiders win it for John Madden. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Go Raiders. I'm, yep. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, uh, I don't need to be convinced anymore. Yeah, let's go Raiders. I'm rooting for a Raiders uh, Super Bowl at this point. 
Uh, all right. That brings us to the Patriots, who, like we just said, lost to the Bills last week. So now they're down as a wild card team, second team in the AFC East. They are facing the Jaguars this uh, week, which is, oh, I mean, almost certainly a win uh, based on how bad the Jaguars season has been. They just lost to the Jets, which is saying they lost to the Jets backup head coach. <laughs> that is saying something. Um, shout out to Ron Washington, who called a great game. Got to say anyway. Um what what do you make of this Patriots season that we have given up on at one point? Then they were leading the division for a while, and now they're a wild card team. Um, how do you feel about this this matchup and where they are? Fuck the Patriots. Um, yep. Throw ball equal bad and lose. Uh, so I think run ball lot win go to playoffs. Throw ball lose. Sold. Uh, yeah, it'll, it will really be interesting to see how they come at Trevor Lawrence, a uh, rookie quarterback um, with a lot of turnovers in a Belichick system that thrives on turnovers. So every team likes turnovers, but Belichick's always seem to generate them en masse. So. And James Robinson is out. So their best offensive weapon, Gallon. Yeah. So solid chance the Patriots are walking away from this one with a win, which... Um, if the Bills lose, means that the Patriots are back on top of the division after only one week in second place. Uh, if the Bills also win, then uh, they would hold on to the second their second place status. But that also comes down to the Dolphins, who are the last playoff team here, which means that three out of four AFC East teams would be making the playoffs if the play if the season ended today. Dolphins at eight and seven, and they face the Titans. And we just talked about this matchup, but just to go over the standings of it a little bit. If, so if the Patriots lose and the Dolphins win, I'm not sure of the tiebreakers, but it might. Oh, I'd love to know. It might end up knocking the Patriots out of the playoffs, depending on how those two teams have, I guess, performed against each other and within the division. Um, because uh, and that also assumes, obviously, other teams lower in the standings win, too. Um, I would just love if the Patriots missed the playoffs so much, so much. And it's crazy because there's there's a real possibility that ends up happening. Um because of how be just just because of how tight it is, you know, if the Patriots end up winning this week and all the, the teams on the bubble um, end up winning their weeks as well, since none of them are playing each other, really, then um, even with a Patriots win, it would still come down to a, there'd still be a chance come week 18, the final week of the NFL regular season that the Patriots could get eliminated because they haven't put any real distance between them and the like literally six teams that could reasonably displace them below them. So it's a really interesting spot for them to be in. These next two games for them matter a ton. Um, even though they already have nine and are very likely going to have 10 wins, it's coming down to the wire. Who's their last mm-hmm. week against? They have the Jaguars and then the... Oh, then the Dolphins. Oh, shit. Man. That could end up being a really cool game or a really lame game, depending on how this goes. Because if the Dolphins lose and the Pats win, then the Dolphins' chances of, of making the playoffs are almost certainly dead. And the Patriots will probably be in a pretty good spot. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Not going to get too ahead of myself. All right. So the Chargers, the Chargers are out of a playoff spot. They were in a playoff spot last week. They lost, however. Uh, who did they lose to? Or are you fucking Chargers? They lost to the Texans. That's right. 
Oh, they had a oh, layup matchup and they lost yeah. 41 to 29. What a humiliation. I completely forgot about that. Um, and so now they're out of a playoff spot and they have to play the Broncos, playoffs. the divisional opponent. And the Broncos don't have a lot to be fighting for because even though they're technically on the bubble, they're probably not making the show. And uh, but hey, you know who loves to play spoiler? Your divisional opponents. Oh, boy, I just don't. This is one of those games where it's like I, I don't see really anything happening from these teams. So. Uh, you know, the so the last spot and I, I kind of want the Chargers to win, though. I would, too. The, the last spot is the eight and seven spot. So theoretically, if um, there, there is room for the Chargers to to move up instantaneously this week, it's not like it, w- it would take a lot even in a world in which the Dolphins won, there's still five, four, four teams with a nine and six record, which means if all of them lost and the Chargers won, all of those teams would have, there, there's, there's a possibility for a six-way tie at nine and seven is what I'm driving at here. Um, actually, it'd be a seven-way tie at nine and seven uh, because the Raiders would have to upset the, uh, beat up the Colts. And so th- there's absolutely room for the Chargers to do it. it it's been tough because they've had a wacky-ass season. Um, as a lot of teams in the AFC have, it feels like it's been a very stilted season for the entire conference. But um, man, I have no idea what these Chargers are. They, they got a, they've got a, a very nice offense going, but they have like seemingly nothing else. And isn't that the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, of all the teams that are currently on the outside looking in, I'd want the Chargers to go the most by far. One because of powder blue uniforms are just the nicest things to look at on television. And I really want to see what Justin Herbert can do. I just want to see what happens when it inevitably falls to his shoulders and he's got to put the team on his back. I want that. I want that real bad. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Chargers. They're, they're an easy team to root for. Uh, that brings us to the ninth place team right now, the Raiders. We talked about this matchup with the Colts. Um, they are one of the three teams that are on the bubble, which means they're not currently the playoff spot that are at eight, seven. So talk about this matchup already. The Ravens, second place in the NFC North, 10th seed right now, going up against the Rams, which, ooh, ooh, I don't think they got a shot. They're just too hurt, man. They're They're so banged up. It's just like unreal how little they have left. Um, They've still got over a dozen players on the IR or on the the COVID list slash IR. Like, I think this season, if if the Ravens were healthy, they'd be up there with the Chiefs, and maybe not up there with the Chiefs, but even like Titans, Bengals level. Regardless, they'd be a much much better team. Um, but without half their star power, I just don't think it's possible for them to kind of overcome this. And even if they do make any damage, cause any damage. Yeah, it's it's unlikely. If they should win again, they would join the bevy of potential nine and seven um, records where the tiebreakers system would be. You'd go a lot farther down the tiebreaker ladder than I'm sure most of us are used to going. Um, so it's almost impossible to say without knowing the ins and outs of everyone's season, where they would be, but it will put them in a pretty good spot. A loss here would be colossal. A loss here would put them at eight and eight and basically knocked them out of the playoff hunt with one week to go after that. 
Um, which is why it's really not even worth talking about the teams below the Ravens, which is the Steelers, Browns and Broncos, because their odds of making the playoffs are so incredibly slim that it's really not even worth the air. So let's just move over to the NFC where a lot more has happened in the NFC this week or last week than happened in the AFC. Last Jesus, week, we, we about not the even NFC. gone to the NFC yet. Holy shit. I know, right? Last, and we can move through this a lot quicker because a lot more has been decided in the NFC. Last week when we talked, uh, only the Packers had clinched the playoff spot. And this week, playoff spots clinched um, are five of the seven available playoff slots. So the Packers are the number one seed, as they have been, one game advantage over the over the Cowboys. So that first overall seed is uh, being fought for, but currently held. Cowboys, second seed. Uh, oh, also the Rams and Bucks all have the same record. I should point out that as well. So the Packers hang on by a thread to the um, the one seed, really, with two weeks to go. Uh, so then it's the Cowboys at eleven and four, the Rams number three at eleven and four, the Bucks at four eleven and four, and the only wild card team that has clinched a playoff spot is the Arizona Cardinals, um, who are currently the fifth seed at ten and five, which means there are. Only two teams in the hunt, which means that they're good enough. If the playoffs or the season ended today, they'd make the playoffs. That is the 49ers at eight and seven. And they are about to play the Texans, which theoretically should be a layup win. However, the Niners may as well be an AFC team because they have played wildly inconsistent this year. A lot of that has been Jimmy Garoppolo, who has had some rough games with the team this year. Uh, But really that team is also quite hurt and that division is very fucking good. So they've had a really rough go of it kind of the whole way around this year. So, uh, but the Texans should be a layup win. I don't know. What what do you think about the Niners here? Keep saying that about the Texans, but they somehow managed their way to four wins. Um, They have four wins. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. Exactly. Exactly. Holy shit. The Um, Jags have two. Man, did the Jets have four? Four. Wow. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. I don't remember. Oh, 49ers. Yeah. Jimmy G is just an enigma of I saw something about how he is at any given time either the most underrated or most overrated quarterback and I, I just I think that's perfect he has all of the ability and just is so inconsistent and makes so many terrible decisions that he can win you and lose you games seemingly at random uh, whenever he so chooses um, I'd love to see Trey Lance get some shots in here to see if they can he can close out the season I mean they're not falling out of the playoffs. I really don't think any of the other NFC teams have any sort of hope to kind of break through. I know it's only, you know, two game difference, one game difference uh, for the Eagles, but talent wise, I just don't think any of the other teams are really all that close. So got Trey Lance in there. See what he can do. I mean, he's your future. Jimmy G is absolutely not. I, I agree. I think they're probably in a tough spot from a coaching standpoint, which is we have two games left. Do you do you change your starter, especially when you're desperately trying to hang on to your playoff spot? Because um, 
as of right now, the 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 both the Niners and Eagles are at eight and seven, and behind them are three teams at seven and eight: the Vikings, Falcons, and Saints. And while I do not respect the Vikings or Falcons, or really the Saints that much this season either, um, a loss from the Niners this week and a win from any one of the three of those teams makes there a tie at eight and eight, and that would put a lot of pressure on the final game of the season for the Niners uh, and they are playing. Let's see who. Oh yeah. The Rams. And if anything, you'd probably, if you had to go one and one in these next two games, you'd probably want to start off with the win so that you could brace for a loss instead of losing against the Texans and then needing to beat the Rams who, even though their future will be certain, will do you absolutely no fucking favors whatsoever. Rivalry game two, they're about to just give that up. No, nope, nope, nope. No team necessarily gives up on any games, but there's a difference between uh, not playing your most competitive game and putting your foot down your opponent's throat. There's 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 levels. So uh, the re- this is really a must-win game for the Niners to hang on to their postseason hopes, which are currently alive. If the season ended today, they'd be in, but... Oh, boy. Um, and then that brings us to the Eagles, who have a divisional matchup this week against the, the Washington football team, where if the Eagles lost, they would join a potential bevy of teams at eight and eight. And if the Washington football team won, who are not eliminated yet, they'd be at seven and nine and technically not eliminated. But boy, who gives a fuck about that? Um, so this is really a must win game for the Eagles for much the same reason as it is for the Niners. But the stakes feel a lot lower because I think it's surprise the Eagles are here more so than that. Like it feels like the Niners should be in a playoff spot based on the amount of um, talent they have on the roster and where they've been in the past couple seasons, the Eagles, not so much. So I feel like if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, it's like we got close. The Eagles. Yeah. A couple years ago. Must've been more than a couple. That must be like three, four years ago now. I think no more than three. It was like exactly three years ago. Shut up. 2019? Hold on, folks. All right, looking it up. Corwin says 2019. I say 2017. How ridiculously long six years is, or three years is. 2018. Wow. Uh, yeah, so there would, there's been... That was four Super Bowls ago. Which is a lifetime in the NFL. Correct. So I don't really give a shit about this one. The seventh seed in the NFC has felt like a default position for the past few years now because talent has dropped off so precipitously. Um, So I don't really give a fuck who lands here. It's probably going to be someone we don't care about because if it's not going to be the Eagles, then the likelihood that it is uh, one of the Vikings, Falcons or Saints is pretty high. And boy, I just don't give a fuck about any of those teams or their Mm -hmm. chances in the playoffs. So it's not interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, there's really nobody else that is a threat. I mean, I know people say like, like, oh, any given Sunday and, for the regular season, yes, absolutely. And even in the playoffs, yes, there are 
absolutely exceptions to, you know, the best team winning. But when was the last time the NFL team actually went all the way after being a, like, dog shit team? It's not like Uh, they're... Vikings are like an okay team and the Falcons are a pretty good team. Like, yeah, both these teams won seven games, but they are bad teams compared to any of the top dogs in the NFC. Like, I don't know. I'm being pessimistic and I know I say the opposite often, but ugh. Ugh. I'm the Grinch this year. I'm just being Grinchy. Yeah, I, I don't give a fuck. I guess if you're rooting for NFC chaos, you'd be rooting for the Texans and Washington to win. Uh, or actually, I'll do the other way around. You'd be rooting for the Niners and Eagles to lose, and you'd be rooting for Vikings, Falcons, Saints to win. So there'd be a five-way tie at eight and eight heading into Week 18, the final week. Um, but the likelihood of that happening is pretty low. Um, the on the bubble teams, the Vikings at seven and eight have to play the Packers. Good luck. The Falcons are playing the Bills. Good luck. The Saints are playing the Panthers. They could reasonably win that game. Uh, that actually might be a game that they should win um but who's to say and then again washington's irrelevant they're they they will lose out in a playoff spot just over the course of time even if they win out they're not going to make a playoff spot uh, in all likelihood i should say so yeah really the odds of this playoff picture changing that much is pretty slim it could but the afc is definitely where to do your standings watching if you're interested in maximum quantities of chaos so that's where we're at next week. Uh, next week's update will be the last update of the regular season. And then we'll, we'll talk about actual playoff teams because after, after next week, we'll have playoff or an actual locked in playoff picture. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the NFL playoffs. I, I haven't watched a ton of other NFL this, this year. I haven't watched a lot of non jets football this year. Cause I've, I've, I've been trying to use my Sundays for things this year. instead of uh just doing football. Yeah. I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with it, but yeah, I mean, you know what's up. So it'll it'll be nice to to really spend like four straight weekends doing nothing but football. Um, and none of them will have none of them will have to be the Jets. I can actually enjoy football for for a few weeks. None of them will be the Jets. I can I can savor another team's crushing disappointment instead of having it be my own. I want to care more than I do. I want to get into the playoffs this year and watch, you know, a good chunk of games, do like what you were saying, just do nothing but sit and watch football. But I just, we'll see. I I think the excitement will hit you after week 18 is over. I do. I think that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, All right. The only other. A lot of it, like you said, is just like being free to do stuff like watch football. Yeah, it's much easier to spend your entire day watching football when you're like in college and have no other responsibilities and don't need to savor your free time as much. Uh, when you're an adult with a job, you have so little free time um, that you really, really want to use it. So anyway, um, the only kids. other bit of news we have, I guess, we don't spend a lot of time on it. I'm not sure there's a lot of time spent on it, is that today Kyle Seeger announced his retirement which is kind of unexpected if I'm, if I'm being honest, he's only 33 and the, it seemed as though 
pretty strongly that he was not going to get his contract renewed by the Mariners. The Mariners seem to have made that clear. Um, they ended up doing exactly that. They did not renew his contract or extend him to an extension. And he became a free agent. And instead of going through the trials and tribulations of free agency, he elected to just hang it up, which good for him. You know, it, it's as we've said many times on this podcast, it's very rare a player gets to kind of decide that on their own and have it be on their own terms. So congrats to him. But it is wild to see him actually leave MLB. Um, it feels like he's been the face of the Mariners for like my most of my conscious baseball watching, even more than Felix, because of when I really started watching more baseball. I feel like Kyle Seeger was that guy for me for the M's. I feel like it's uh, maybe it's just, again, me being pessimistic, pe- pessimistic. Holy shit. Um, I feel like, you know, the talent level on the field has kind of disintegrated, not disintegrated. That's kind of over-exaggerated, but like it's, it's dropped enough to where he's been, at least I think he's healthy now. Uh, hasn't really been too healthy lately. The, the play hasn't been there on the fields. 33 is young, but it's not exactly, you know, a spring chicken. Being able to call it up on your own and, and go into retirement at age 33, which is old for an athlete, but oh, so fucking young for like people. It, it might be nice. It might be nice to just have that control. And I know, you know, pro athletes think of it very differently than, the rest of us, but um, I don't know. I can't see it being a truly terrible thing. Disappointing, sure. You know, a huge, huge part of your life is, you know, ending, but you're 33 and retiring with uh, with your family, with all, all the time you get, all the yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I understand all the yada, yada, yadas. Um, old, I older. The bisque. Older or younger than Kyle Seeger? Uh, Marcus Simeon. Younger. Younger. He's 30. Just finished his age 30 season. Um, older or younger than, than Kyle Seeger? Whit Merrifield. I think it's close, but I, I want to say he's like 32. He is 32. That's a weirdly yeah. good guess. Um, so he is. Yes, he, he is younger. Uh, ooh, is an interesting one. Jonathan Scope. I feel like he is perpetually the guy that feels like he's forty years old, but is actually like twenty nine. So I'll go younger. Are you looking these up? He is twenty nine. No. <laughs> yes, dude. Well, this is getting fucking weird. I'm made very uncomfortable by that's how, a man how who I thought was pronounced shoop up until last year. And now I know exactly how old he is. Right. Uh, yeah, I even I have both so. hands in frame. It's great. Uh, Jose Abreu, older or younger than Kyle Seeger. Younger, but it seems like he should be again. Like he's the guy who came into the league super old so he seems super young but i still think he's younger than than he is older he is he just finished his age 34 season wow 
Yeah. God, he is so like it is. He debuted at twenty seven. The league. I know. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> All right, this one I think will be easy, but I want you to then guess. I'll ask a follow up question. Josh Donaldson, older or younger? He's got to be older at this point, right? So he is. How much? What age seasons did he just finish? 36? 35. So he's only two years older than Kyle Seeger. And, man, it feels like he is so much older than Kyle Seeger. And probably has less games. Oh, that's actually interesting. Uh, So... Josh Donaldson, twelve hundred games, pretty much on the money. Kyle Seeger, fourteen hundred eighty games. Yeah, you're right. By a lot. Like I get, Kyle Seeger is hurt a lot, but Josh Donaldson is hurt a lot. Oh yeah, every other season it feels like he has a season-ending injury. Yeah, um, like Kyle Seeger always seems to be like hurt, but Josh Donaldson is almost always like broken yes yeah yes like manufacturer needs to repair this one uh all right last one another interesting one older or younger john carlos stanton younger but i don't i don't think i could guess how old that man is right that's the thing like in my mind john carlos stanton's like a really really cool hip 37 but I know he's not 37. Like, that's too Is he old. even 30? He's 31. Okay. But for some reason, his face looks so, like, he looks refined. So yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he looks like a young-looking older dude, and he's he is barely older than me. He is four years older than me. And he looks a decade older than me, for some reason, in do, my mind. Do you think he goes from, like, feeling like he's or like looking like he's you know a crisp 27 to if he started going by mike again do you think he would immediately look 47 just completely flip sides and just be no. like oh, mike stan is like, i don't i, I think old. there's a thing that happens Millie. when you're very lean and very fit and it's that like there's not any fat in your face to like absorb your lines when you talk and smile so he ends up having like a lot of, and this happens not just to him, but a bunch of people, very harsh lines when he talks. And I immediately associate that with age. And so in my mind, he's like a father of three, but he's still really cool. You know, like his kids aren't embarrassed when he picks them up from school and they're like eight, you know, and instead he is 31. Like he is not old at all. He is not a young looking old dude. He's just a young guy. Um, and I just can't, um, I just can't get there. Like in my head, like, you know, it feels like he's a lot older than judge too. And judge is not um, that much younger than him, but I feel like in my, in my head, Aaron judge is like six years younger than him. When judge just finished his age 29 season. I'm terrified of growing out of the age where I'm still considered young for a professional athlete. Like 24 years old, I'm still I'm still approaching the prime of my career if I was a professional athlete. Once I hit like 28, 27, 28, where I'm just like, 
oh yeah, now he's on the decline. Mentally, I think that's gonna really get to me. Even though I have no athletic bone in my body. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think about it. Professional athletes get worse, and I've still done nothing. Dude, I've, I've been thinking about it so much this year, especially because I am 27, and uh, Carlos Correa is hitting free agency. Has hit free agency this year at 27, and everyone's talking about how he's in the prime of his life and the prime of his career. And I keep looking around like I should be better. <laughs> Obviously, I should not be a platinum glove shortstop, but maybe walking up the stairs shouldn't be so fucking hard. <laughs> like, like I, I should improve me because if this is the prime of his career and he's about to make like half a billion dollars in free agency, may, maybe I should be doing a, li- a little, a little bit better. <laughs> I had to lay on the floor for like an hour last night. Cause I just like could not even sit up. My back was hurting so bad. And this man is about to sign like a $300 million contract. Cause he's just so athletic. And the, the age difference, not really. And there. he's three years older than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's so tough to think about um, athletes as real people because I sometimes I just don't want to. <laughs> sometimes it makes me sad. Um, I like it better when they're just fictional superheroes living in yeah. make-believe land. Yeah. We should require all athletes wear capes in their free time so that I don't feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> What you athlete admit, would, what athlete you, would look the craziest? Like, the craziest? Like with uh, Bartolo Colon coming back to professional sports. No. Be worth it. It, it, it. I was gonna say would he look crazy? No, he would not look crazy. He'd look like Captain Underpants with hair. Um the craziest, it has to be like Jose Altuve or something like that. Like, is that kid running into a burning building? Oh no, 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 <laughs> it's a grown man. Oh man, I'm just trying to think of like the funkiest looking pro athletes of like any sport. Like, oh, what would be funny Alex is Ovechkin if you can wearing a cape would be hilarious. Well, no, what would be funny is Derek Henry wearing a cape, but a comically small cape. <laughs> <laughs> like Derek Henry in a cape. Yeah, that makes sense. He's a very large man. Derek Henry in a very, very small cape. That's funny. Just oh a bib God. on backwards. But. Yeah. Um, so anyway, more. Let's get back to Kyle Seeger just real quick. Uh, we said we wouldn't take long to talk about him. And here we are in the rabbit hole as per usual. So the his 11 seasons, all of which with the Mariners are are locked in. That that's that is it. He retires with just under 37 career war. Um, his career slash line is 321, 442, 763 as an OPS plus of 112. Um his high watermark in his career was his 2016 campaign in which he had an OPS plus of 133 and finished 12th in MVP voting. His accolades for his career is he was a one-time all-star and a one-time gold glove winner. Um, and I mean, that's, that's kind of it. Uh, he played a pretty reliable third base. He finishes his career with 7.6 D war and was really one of the only bright spots on a Mariners team that, so it was at the decline of the Felix Hernandez era and was prior to this point in time where they're very young and starting to really improve and making some very shrewd trades and moves. And, you know, those types of guys are often very memorable because they are one of the few things you get to root for. You know, that's one of the reasons that in addition to Don Mattingly being a borderline Hall of Famer and probably should be a Hall of Famer, that's one of the reasons Don Mattingly is looked upon with such fondness by Yankees fans. He was one of the very few bright spots um, 
on a, on the bookends of a franchise when they didn't win World Series. They won World Series right before he got to the Yankees and right after he retired. But they 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 I don't think they even made they made made might have made the playoffs like once or twice during his tenure, and that was it. You know, and he played for a, a, a long while, and that's really Kyle Seager. Those guys that give you a reason to keep turning on your television set and finding the game and sitting through a 162 game season because you get to watch them. And even when everything else is bad, those are special guys. And Kyle Seager will be a special guy in the hearts of Seattle fans for that exact reason. And he deserves it. Kyle Seager's Mike Trout confirmed. When was the last time both Seager brothers were unemployed at the same time? Um, Age nine. That's got to be when you start like travel baseball, right? Nine. Yeah, but you don't get paid as like a 10 year old. I mean, you don't get paid to be an NCAA athlete, but let's say it's still employment. I mean, you do do. both now and before you you did. I I know, but it's not going on the forums to the IRS. (laughs) So. God, I just. I am upset that we are past the point where it was possible for a, a football player and like college football to fuck up so badly by putting those kind of bribes on their four or their tax return. Yeah, it would have been so fucking great. Say Levy. But yeah, man. I mean, it almost I, I I so wish he got the chance to play somewhere else just just to get himself the ability to play. I like Kyle Seeger as a player. I the those like closer. forever three war guys that are never worth more than that, but never worth less than that are such fun ball players for me. Uh for, for everybody, I think, who who really likes the sport. Um it's it's sad to see him kind of go. Um, it's also sad to think that he's retiring at 33. That's not very far away from my at six years older than me. He is retired. I am going to be working for another 40 years. Fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> uh, as much as I hate the Dodgers, it would have been cool to see him go there and play next to Corey. Well, Corey will be in Texas. So the Rangers. Right. But like at some point in his career going to the Dodgers. Imagine there was the Dodgers were like, fuck, we need a Seager. Get Kyle. Get Kyle on the phone. We'll be crazy if the Orioles Dodgers. Mistake, not a Dodgers. If the if the Dodgers did to Corey Kyle Seager what they did to Justin Turner, which is like, yeah, Justin Turner was a good third baseman with the Mets, but like, whatever, they let him walk, and then all of a sudden, Justin Turner on the Dodgers is like, I fuck your mom, and she will never stop calling me, and. It'd be great if Kyle Seager was like, yeah, I was a good player with the Mariners, and then he gets to. Los Angeles, and he's like, I'm going to fuck your dad, too. And, and I will just, fuck your mom. Kyle, we have the same mom. Please stop. Why are you, why are you saying that? Uh, Kyle, no. I'm going to be your dad and your brother. We have to, well, you are my brother. <laughs> I'm going to call me Papa Brother. Yeah. Um, that is the worst TLC show in existence. <laughs> Brother, husband, brother, brother, dads, <laughs> sister, wives, and brother, dads. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm going to stop this now. So, shout out to Kyle Seeger. He's retired, um, which, which, which is sad. I hope he does more things. It'd be cool to see him do more things. 
He's a Shout sense of humor. I appreciate he's it. Dead. Shout out to John Madden. He's he's taking the the extra long retirement, um, where you know more more dirt in his retirement, a lot more a lot more gravel. Um, yeah, he's getting buried. Maybe he's getting cremated. I don't know. Maybe they spread his ashes uh, at. I hope the his urn papers. is shaped like a football. His urn is shaped like a PlayStation Five. <laughs> Every time they release a new PlayStation, they make a new urn. <laughs> and they just keep pouring his ashes into the newest model. I want to be able to shit. I want to be able to play Madden next year and have his urn on the sideline coaching the game. Just okay. Let it sit there. Like they always cut away, cut to the coach on the sideline during the game. I want them to just cut to an urn sitting in the grass with a play sheet and a whistle next to it. That's it. I'm with it. I can see it now. Games need to do more batshit crazy shit like and that. And the urn is furious. And a strong <laughs> gust of wind knocks the urn over. <laughs> he dropped the challenge flag. They're challenging the play. All right. Well, that's all we got. There's not a lot else going on. So we'll update you guys about NFL shit when there's updates to give. Otherwise, um, we will see you guys in the new year. Maybe. Um, This next episode will be out on fucking Monday the 3rd. Yeah. All right. So. We'll be back in the new year. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingNumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at CorwinHell. I'd like to follow myself on Twitter. You can do so at Joshua D. Tracy until 2022. I was about to say 23 and just skip the whole fucking year. Um, y'all have a good